And hello and welcome everyone to another installment of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. Hello Matt, how are you doing as we are back again on this Sunday night at our regular time? I'm doing just fine, just fine. It's Superman's birthday, so I can't complain. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Wow, what excellent timing. We never plan yeah. out these shows in advance, but holy shit, what a what a good piece of timing. I almost feel like this should have been a Superman theme show. Like, what's your favorite <laughs> Superman moment? What has Superman meant to you? Hey, well, we don't really have a lot of news to talk about maybe that's something we can talk about a little later on after our comics or something sounds good let's do that i like that yeah i like that idea that's a good idea we should do it because yeah it's a light week for news not a hell of a lot going on but you know what i always say that and then those shows end up running for two hours anyway yeah yeah that generally is what happens <laughs> pretty pretty much how how is your week matt uh do anything fun or interesting see anything you want to bring to the table and talk about <laughs> um well i did see i did see two pieces of media that are, are, are both like one on, on both ends of the spectrum of like good and bad uh the, right. the good thing i saw was nobody which i'm sure you hey saw. me too yeah I did. yeah it was wonderful i really enjoyed it and what was the bad thing uh the bad thing was the show i got introduced to the show Nine One One. Oh yeah, I vaguely, I, I I always see that when I'm like channel surfing everything. What is what is that actually about? It's about uh like like nine one one operators and like fire and like a fire station. So it's like a right. normal you know American drama. Like they have the cops one. This is like the fire brigade right, one, okay. and it's it's so bad that it's good. It's like it's just it's bonkers. <laughs> like you'd think it's like oh it's, they just go do fires and stuff like that. No, they do like and the the things they respond to are just the most insane <laughs> fucking things like there was one where like a guy he was working in a mechanic shop and he i think he slipped and he fell on like an air compressor and it entered his body and it started puffing him up what <laughs> another the one i haven't fuck? watched the episode but the person i was watching it with told me about it that someone got hit by a meteorite like went straight <laughs> through them and they didn't die because it cauterized the wound <laughs> Okay, this sounds like pure schlock. I can understand it's, why it's you on Disney. It it's on, at least it's on Disney Plus here in Australia, so I Is imagine it? it's, it'll be on in everywhere else. But give it a watch. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to give that a look. Uh, I think just this week they put uh, the rest of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on Disney Plus here oh, in nice. Canada. So I'm like, oh, cool. I should finally finish this and really, really get into it. Uh, also, the chat said apparently Rob Lowe is in that show, 911. There's okay, say no more. There's a spinoff from it called Lone Star, oh, which God. is the same show but set in Texas. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is this a Dick Wolf thing or the guy who did CSI? It's, it's is this actually like from the guy things? who did American Horror Story no shit yeah. really yeah that's fucking nuts uh, also thank you uh au carter for the subscription thank always you. appreciate it wow that is that's fucking insane yes let's talk about nobody that bob odenkirk movie because yeah you're right that was really good yeah it, it was uh like all the best parts of like like 80s 70s like mm -hmm. death wish movies yep with like bits of comedy oh and, yeah and like yeah the action was great it's like john wick action I, uh, I fully admit that when they were doing the marketing for that movie and it got a fair amount of marketing, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Bob Odenkirk <laughs> punching a wall, but it's not <laughs> supposed to be funny and they're doing like a Death Wish pastiche. Oh, yeah, because that's always great. Every time they've tried to remake Death Wish, including the time they actually tried to remake yeah. Death Wish, and they all sucked. What's great about Nobody is, like you said, for one, it's a dark comedy. 
Two, it leans into the fact that Bob Odenkirk is not like your traditional action, action leading yeah. man. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Spiral Sign 6. Also appreciate Thank it. You. We're getting all the follows and stuff tonight. And yeah, the fact that it's darkly comedic and that it actually ends up going against many of the tropes and conventions of your typical Death Wish revenge movie. For one, uh, his family doesn't die. No, yeah, they're, they're, that's not the thing that uh, spurs him along. What spurs him along is basically that well, the, the inciting incident is the, the home invasion and they steal yeah. his daughter's like kitty cat bracelet or something. Bracelet, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, again, uh, we don't want to spoil it because there's so many really interesting twists in this movie that make it really funny and really interesting. But yeah, whatever you think is going on isn't the thing that's going on, and it starts as one type of movie, ends as a completely different type of movie. Mm -hmm. Also, I I can't remember if it, whether I actually whether it was right or wrong or people just theorizing, but this is set in the the, the John Wick universe, right? Oh this yeah, has I to mean, be, isn't it? Oh, crazy, colorful Russian gangsters, close quarters, gunfights, and everything. Oh, yeah, if it's not set in the John Wick universe, then I don't. I just don't know what. Uh, great soundtrack. Yeah, a lot of great yeah. dad rock yeah. that fits with the throwback that it is. But the thing that really sells this, some of the best, most creative action and kills I've seen in a movie in a very long time. It gets home alone in the third act. Boy, does it. Holy shit. Uh, the, the RZA has a great uh, <laughs> uh, part in this movie that, again, I have never seen this in an action movie before. He has, like, a high-powered sniper rifle, shoots through three people that are rushing him, and then, with the excess recoil off that shot, uses it to knock out a guy behind him. And I'm like, fuck me, that's cool. That was a really cool fight scene. The, like, the, like, the last 15 minutes of this movie are like, okay, let's just throw everything at the goddamn wall. And yes, the chat is saying freaking Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd is in the movie too, and he's also amazing. Yeah, he's great. He's just puttering around with these series of shotguns, blowing people away. Yes. It's great. Hey, you brought a lot of shotguns. Oh, you brought a lot of Russians. <laughs> but yes, Nobody is Very Cool. Check it out as it stands right now. Probably the best action movie I've seen this year. Yeah, and Bob Odenkirk did all his own stunts. I know, which is hard to believe, but also, again, really sells the idea that, oh, yeah, I guess this schlubby guy could be capable of doing the things the movie says he's capable mm -hmm. of doing. Mm -hmm. I like the villain in this one, too, Yulian, who's like a goddamn Grand Theft Auto villain come yeah, to life. I like his introduction. Now he walks into that club and does, like, the karaoke mm -hmm. and then just, like, kills a guy with a martini class. They're like, mm, I don't know, Yulene, come on, you're singing and dancing, you know, that's not really becoming of a Russian mobster. And he's like, okay, then, duh, kill. All right, we good now? <laughs> oh, the car stunts in this are amazing, too. They yeah. do a thing in a car with a fire extinguisher mm -hmm. where I'm like, wow, that's actually really smart. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Nobody is Great, everyone. Actually, check that one out. I promise whatever you think the movie is about, it's not actually about that. And it has several twists and turns that really uh, subvert genre expectations. It actually ends up evolving the Death Wish genre in a way I've never really seen before. It's definitely up the bar for that. Certainly, certainly has. Yeah, check, uh, check that one out. So, uh... I suppose with that, we can head on to the actual show this week. As I mentioned before, we don't have a ton of news, but we do have some rather interesting stories all the same. We do. Uh, starting things off in a big bad way over in the world of mutants and X-Men and Krakoa, the brand new team roster has finally been revealed for Jerry Duggan's uh, brand new X-Men relaunch that's going to be coming very soon. Yeah, and it's a pretty damn good uh, roster. 
yeah, pretty stacked team, pretty interesting. Uh, obviously, two of the members we already knew, Cyclops and Jean Grey, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Marvel Girl, they're going to be heading up the team. Yep, yep, they, they're the ones that sort of set this up. Uh, Cyclops, who's been going in a really interesting direction in these new Hickman books, and that is he is not completely sold on the Krakoan dream, and especially the level of inaction from the Quiet Council. Yeah, it's it's definitely quite interesting, given like what we've seen throughout all these books, and stuff like in, in like this week's Children of A- of the Atom, and all that sort of stuff, where everyone else didn't is, read that one. Actually. Everyone else is kind of all all in on it, all in ride or die, and it, there's a couple like Cyclops that are like. Eh. It's a, it's a it's a wonderful way to rehab Cyclops' characters after so many years of him being this kind of morally gray, morally ambiguous. I'm the new Magneto. No, you're not. <laughs> it's fun to see him return to his Boy Scout roots and be like a killjoy, but for good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, hey, everyone, I don't totally love this idea. And also to see him and Gene kind of united in this, too, because Gene also doesn't really love the way things are being run, especially after her last dust-up with uh, Beast and uh, X-Force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also got Sunfire on there. Hey, Sunfire, we haven't seen him in anything. Uh, he was in, he's in Sword at the moment. Oh, is he really? Oh, oh well, okay. <laughs> he was He was in the King in Black thing. He, he like, died almost immediately because they, they had right. to kill him straight away because he's a fire-based hero. Um, yeah oh no but they brought they bringing him back to life by the end of the 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 tie-ins there you go yeah no one stays dead forever i always liked sunfire cool costume nice little international feel too for this Mm x-men team Mm -hmm. uh i wonder you know if his whole patriotism for his own country is going to come uh into effect with the bird it's like oh no we're tearing down borders we're all krakoans now that's something we haven't in the books i've read haven't really seen touched upon like these mutants who are like quite proud to be of like where they were born uh and now living yeah. in like krakoa and like it's you've got to be proud of that country not where you came mm-hmm. what, where you're born or anything i haven't seen any of that sort of stuff so it'd be interesting it would be a very interesting way to tackle that especially because it's like sunfire is your costume not literally the rising sun of japan <laughs> krakoa doesn't have a flag yet do they no, not that I know of. Maybe maybe it's Sunfire's job to design it. Hey, Sunfire, go design <laughs> us a flag. That's just the rising sun again, damn it. Yeah, yeah every, Nightcrawler's got to do the religion. These guys got to get the <laughs> yeah, X-Force. Really. And, uh, Sunfire, just design the flag. Just design the flag for us. Uh, Rogue is on the team. Who doesn't love Rogue? I guess, is this? does this mean she's going to be pulling double duty with Excalibur? I Yeah, I guess so. Or she's leaving Excalibur and moving up to this team. I truly wonder now that we have so many X-Men books with so many different teams, but then again, Wolverine was on like a million fucking teams and did it matter. Nah, yeah. Rogue can pull double duty, why not? Uh, Wolverine, X-23, Laura Kinney, whatever you want to call her, she's on the team. I love that she gets to be the Wolverine yeah. for this relaunched Wolverine or uh, X-Men book. Yeah, well, yeah, as uh, Logan has told her, she's the Wolverine in this in yep. this uh, new, new era of Hickman books. He still does, so cool. goes by that name as well, but she is the Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine, Logan, now I do that for tax reasons. <laughs> look, look, it, spiritually, you are my successor. You are the real Wolverine, but for marketing and tax <laughs> on, on paper, purposes, I am Wolverine. <laughs> but, but look, ain't no one's ain't no one going to give you any shit about it. And uh, keeping up with what we've seen from uh, that last Hickman story with the vault, Sink is going to be on the team too, and obviously Sink and Laura have a way more complicated relationship now than they ever did before. I have a feeling we're going to get that explored here. 
Yes, which is super, super cool yeah. and uh, definitely a new reason to read that. I know you and I said before, we're like, is this the greatest sync story ever told? <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah, the, the only sync story ever told. <laughs> that I can think of off the top of my head, yeah. And then finally, rounding out the team and another mutant who is going to actually be pulling double duty when you stop and think about it, Polaris, who ended up winning that fan vote and getting to be on mm -hmm. this team. Mm-hmm fucking rigged vote they yeah. just picked the most popular oh, of mutant. course Come on. of course yeah <laughs> of course don't don't you people have any soul don't you have any heart don't you have any love for underdogs pick strong guy come on pick an underdog i'm surprised no one did write-in votes like me who do chose cypher mm, yeah really and his new girlfriend bay there you go yeah his 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 big titty extra dimensional <laughs> barbarian girlfriend yeah. big agree <laughs> or wife i guess not even girlfriend yeah. wife I mean, come on, Hickman, you know, you've always had your finger on the pulse. Have you not seen people's love for giant muscular women right now with <laughs> the village? And, high. <laughs> it's at an all-time high. You could be cashing on this big time, and Hickman's like, sorry, bro, it's not my kink, bro. <laughs> I can only put so many kinks into one issue, I'm sorry. <laughs> come on, come on. But yeah, so good lineup for a team. Definitely interested to see where this is going to go. And surprising, too, that, you know, they're coming back with another issue number one this soon. Yeah, what's uh, the other one on? It's only just reached issue 19? Yes. Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange indeed. I mean, I guess they know full well, hey, are you interested in X-Men? This is a great time to read X-Men. Was that Hickman stuff not doing it for you? Well, here's something in the same vein, but with a truly awesome workhorse like uh, Jerry Duggan. Yeah, I, I have to imagine this is going to be a bit more action-focused than uh, Hickman's stuff, which is a bit more high-concept. I imagine mm. some people didn't didn't like that very much i loved it didn't didn't gel with them same here but again i understand it's not everyone's cup of tea uh i just appreciate too that duggan after so many years of proving that you know he gets these characters is given a big triple a book like this it always felt yeah. like he was around the periphery he was always yeah. a guy they trusted but for him to actually be able to you know write the big book i like that yeah this is finally a big break for him yeah, and, and, like, he's been working in comics forever, and I don't think he's a young guy either. No, no, not at all. So this is, like, an Alan Rickman-level break, which, you know, you love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I guess moving on from there, we got some Skybound news, which I probably wouldn't even talk about if I didn't find this headline so truly fascinating. I guess it's the 10-year anniversary of Skybound and The Walking Dead and everything, and as part of a big 10-year anniversary issue, hey, look, we're bringing back Rick Grimes and also Clementine from the video games, huh? Yeah, this is her first time in the comics? Yes. Yes, it is, I do cool. believe. Are these just, like, one-off stories, or are these, like, actual, like... It's like, no, this is actual a multiverse event. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that these are just like little one-off how-you-do's. But again, I think this is kind of an amazing story, if only because, wow, here's a character that was in the video games, not the books, as far as I know. Uh, Kirkman's hand never touched it, and yet the character is so beloved and has such a massive cult following. They're like, no, 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 she's as important as Rick. Yeah, it's uh, I, I never played the last game of the, the, Same. the series, but yeah, I really enjoyed clementine as a character she was great that's that's funny i never played the last game because again it got so long in between where i'm like <laughs> oh crap i should go back and i should play all of them because i know i'm gonna forget important story beats and everything and i also never finished the walking dead comic because it got so <laughs> like you know morose and unenjoyable there i don't know if it ever recovered or not and also too that book just kind of ended out of the blue they're like one day it's over 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it suffered because of the like TV show, the popularity of that. They're like, oh, we've got to do stuff like the TV show. and That's true. I, I firmly believe that Kirkman would have ended Walking Dead way earlier were it not for the success of the TV show. Yeah. Where he's like, no, 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 multimedia, got to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it going. But uh, that's cool all the same. But yeah, so if you love you some Clementine, and I get the feeling a lot of people out there do, can actually read more of her adventures. And again, you know, they say they're bringing them back. I don't know, like, the specifics there. Are they going to be, like, crossing over? Is this Rick meeting Clementine? Is that going to be their, like, Flash of Two Worlds moment? That would be pretty cool. I, uh, I'm i sure, I, I, I'm probably wrong, but I'm sure, didn't they bring Rick back in the comics not too long ago? I have ago no idea. I don't know. I'm, I'm mm. sure I, I read something about that. I, I'm sure Super Walking Dead fans are just, like, screaming at us right now through their <laughs> monitors. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a lot there. I've been busy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ask me about anything else. Did the aliens ever come in Walking Dead? That was the thing, wasn't yeah. it? It was caused by aliens. Yes, that was the thing. That was the lie Kirkman told to get Image to take the chance on his weird black and white zombie book. Ah, <laughs> uh, geez, I don't know, Rob. They're not really taking uh, any zombie fiction right now, which, of course, zombie fiction would become the biggest thing in the fucking world in the next couple years. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Sometimes you have to lie <laughs> in this business. And the check never came due because it became the biggest thing ever, and they just stopped asking about the aliens. <laughs> Uh, Spiral says, whenever Daryl's not on screen, all the other characters <laughs> should be asking, where's Daryl? It's true. It's true. That's that's another real problem with that. Not to get on too much of a tangent, but when Daryl became, like, the most popular thing ever, due in no small part to the fact that his actor is, like, you know, just incredibly charming across all demographics, that he had, like, this shield around him of fan love, where it's like, okay, now this kind of, you know, is running uh, in the opposite direction of where the seri- series should be, where no one is safe and anyone could die. It's the same as, um... I haven't, I haven't not, I haven't watched it since like season five or something. But like Negan at the moment is like super popular, and I think they brought the character back as well because I'm, I'm fairly certain he left the TV show and they like brought him back recently or something, and he's like a big part of the show now. Just by cosplay alone, the fact that there's so much Negan shit blows me away. I'm like, wasn't he like a one-off villain in the comics? Like what? Wasn't he just like a terrible like man as well? Like he's a terrible, terrible like person. Again, it's the, it's the Rick and Morty effect where it's like, Rick Sanchez is the best, he's the coolest. Yeah, but you're not supposed to think that, though. Yeah, you're not meant to do that. <laughs> the series is actively an indictment against him. <laughs> uh, whatever. But yeah, there's uh, there's your zombie news for you, everyone. Don't, uh, don't say we don't talk about anything that isn't Marvel or DC. <laughs> now, a big piece of news that broke today, in fact... As we record this, uh, obviously Matt and I had been talking before how excited we were for the return of Legends of Tomorrow. I think it comes back like in a couple weeks, I think like 14 days or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, Dominic Purcell, of course, uh, who you know from Prison Break and of course you know as the hilarious version of Heat Wave that exists uh, on that show. He took to Instagram today, and oh boy, he dropped a bomb and a half. He blasted basically the entire production arm of Legends of Tomorrow and basically flipped a table and said, screw you, I quit. Yeah, that 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 rant sounded like it came after, like, he down, like, a full 40. <sighs> yeah, it was, like, here's the thing. He said stuff there that I cannot repeat on here because YouTube will probably demonetize me. Yeah. He dropped some hard C words in this. 
And here's the thing, too. Like, usually when you hear this kind of blow up, I'm like, oh, did he want more money? And they said no. No, actually. He very, very much said that this was not about money. He was mm-hmm. very vague on why he was pissed. He was just mad at the powers that be and said that he wanted no part of it and that he is quitting. And, in fact, if you keep following his Instagram, I wasn't following on Instagram, but you better believe I started now. Like, the next couple pictures was him sitting there with his shirt off, drinking a beer, and he's like, fuck you, I'm getting fat. That's how serious i am in this i'm not working out anymore i'm getting fat now suck it i i have to imagine it like it has to have been something to do with his actual character arc or something maybe it sounded very personal or the fact that legends of tomorrow despite being as popular as it is isn't getting near as much like promotion as the superman show mm-hmm. or flashes it's always been the redheaded stepchild yeah it could be also maybe he wanted to do something a bit more creative maybe he wanted to direct an episode or something maybe get 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 more uh, hands on and they wouldn't let him now, uh, Michelius is saying there, apparently the CW lawyers made him walk it back, and that statement isn't there. Interesting. Makes okay, sense. maybe it's it's one of those situations of I quit, then the lawyers call and be like, you legally cannot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to imagine he's, he's going to continue out this, and then the next season they'll uh, uh, bump him down to, uh, um, like, a, an appearance every now and then, and then just, like, uh. sort of ride him out. <laughs> Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Within his rant, he was actually still very positive about all of his co-stars on the show, Mm -hmm. which was actually nice to see. He had nice things to say about uh, Katie Loitz and whoever the guy who plays uh, Haywood is. His name escapes me. Yeah, Nick Zano there, who it's funny. He's talking mad shit about the show 14 days before the premiere, and Zano and Lotz are like, oh, 14 days to go. Oh, we're so excited, everyone. Get ready to watch. It's like, ah, fuck this studio. I hate all of them. <laughs> I'm sure there were many text exchanges like, hey, dumb buddy, hey, hey. <laughs> The fuck do unless unless maybe he's like a super genius and that he's actively trying to kick up a controversy to get more get eyes more on the people. show. That could that could that could be it. That could be it. Cause like he's a super cause like, here's genius. The thing. Oh man, because here's the thing, like we know the show's coming back because it's our job to know and because you know we're always looking and watching and we're subscribed to the Twitter feeds and everything. Maybe this is his smart way of being like, look, you're not going to promote the show for some reason because we're not Flash and we're not Superman and we're not any of this other stuff you're doing right now. Well, what if I make a controversy because if it bleeds, it leads and, you know, people love drama online. So what if I get it going myself? Uh, Possible. It's possible. Man. I mean, it it could be because, like, yeah, like, that ranty one was, like, super vague and, like, very, very, like, uh, like, above the line sort of stuff. Like, nothing was, no names were mentioned. Yeah, no names. It's like, too, because I'm like, well, what is he mad about? Is he mad about creative reasons? I think Heatwave has actually been given a lot of interesting stories and depths and arcs. Now, like, even if he's like, look, I want off the show because, like, uh, like, where do you go with my character next? You've already given him a daughter. You've redeemed him as far as he's going to go. That I could understand, but he didn't even do that. And, again, it's not a money thing. He very much stressed it was not a money thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, maybe, maybe that is it. Maybe that's it. 
it could be. I don't know, man. It's it's very, very strange. Also, too, when you sit back and look at it, it's like, man, did you ever think Heatwave would be the best character on this show? And, like, the fact that only him and Katie Lutz are the only two original people who started this show and that everyone else from the first season is gone. Yeah, it, like, the, the, the arc he's had over these seasons has just been so damn good. And, like, like can you imagine, like, Heatwave being such a, like, compelling character? He he's so good, and the fact that the comics never tried to like capitalize on any of this, I always thought was a real missed opportunity. And just in general, no multimedia stuff in general for this. Yeah, it's very strange. It's very strange. I, maybe it's like, look, you guys have evolved so past the comics, so past like DC and Warner Brothers in general. We don't want to deal with you because we don't even feel like it's our thing anymore. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Which it's like, you should be applauding that, because again, they weirdly became the most consistent one. Like, I still like Flash, I'm really enjoying Superman, but let's face it, I have the most fun watching Legends of Tomorrow now. Yeah, it is the most fun show. It is the most fun show, and like, I again, I don't really watch the TV metrics and everything as close as I watch the uh, like comic metrics. I wonder what the viewership is. And what the average, like, you know, critic review score is when compared to the other ones. Yeah, well, I mean, it keeps getting renewed. It does, so, yeah, yeah I mean, so it, clearly. It's doing something right. So clearly somebody's watching it. Yeah. And clearly it's kind of a big deal, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll follow this story more as uh, it develops. Uh, again, there's really nothing concrete that we can grab onto right now. Just, hey, he was upset, the lawyers made him walk it back. Yeah. Actually, hey, speaking of stories we were following, I didn't put this in the news because it's basically just one little update. Uh, We talked about Predator last week and how Marvel was, like, ceasing all production on anything Mm -hmm. Predator-related. Well, as we actually found out this week, apparently one of the original screenwriters of Predator is suing Disney. Yeah, trying to reclaim the rights. So there you go. That's why. And again, this is one of those situations where it's like, dude, you know you're not going to beat Disney in a court case. You're hoping just to draw it out long enough that they pay you a big chunk of money so they don't have to deal with you. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, kind of genius because you know they don't, A, want to take it to court, and B, you know you can't beat them in court, but if you have kind of a leg to stand on. I do find it funny, though, that it's it's like Disney's on the other foot now. Like, yeah, they're, they're having to defend themselves against yeah. this oh uh the chat saying too it's not just one of the writers it's actually both writers oh. <laughs> well holy shit there you go Damn. again this 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 will be drawn out it will be settled out of court they will just give them a big chunk of money and move on that's i'm sure that's all they want they just want a big oh, chunk of oh money. absolutely because they could have done this any time before the disney sale Anytime yeah. they had so much time, so, you know, the last Predator movie was a couple of years ago. Yeah. So much time, and yeah, they they waited for this. Interesting that you only have a problem now when gears are in motion and when you know you'll hurt them the most, yeah. and that when they will be most likely to settle out of court to get you off their back. Mm-hmm. Which, again, mark my words, that's what's going to happen. We're going to hear in a couple months from now, oh, hey, Predator stuff is back on, case settled out of court. Yeah is how it works because that's how it always works now uh rounding out the news this week is probably one of the stranger stories that dropped this week Uh, alfred molina spoke on the part that he's going to be playing in spider-man uh no way home no road home what's it called again i keep forgetting no way home see i want to call it no road home because i'm thinking of the comics (laughs) 
But yeah, No Way Home, he spoke on it a little this week, and he made a very odd declaration that apparently we will get to see his version of Dr. Octopus more or less at the end of Spider-Man 2 with him in the water and shit. The whole article, to me, read like an April Fool's joke. Yes, it did. The way it was like, like structured and everything it just it just it was so fucking weird it seems and it wasn't and it wasn't like like vanity fair or something so it was like a legit it wasn't him it wasn't just some comment like some random scooper said it was a legit article yeah also like is that really what's happening or is that just alfred molina putting that out in the universe hoping that gets to happen i i would absolutely love if this if like marvel told him to go and do this just to start like throwing people off of like what's actually (laughs) i'd fucking love it wouldn't wouldn't be the first time they've done it they're really good at misdirection aren't they yeah i mean look because as you and i theorized before in the past there's no way all these villains from all these other movies they're getting are going to factor into the movie that much at all outside, like, maybe cameos or one little extended sequence. Well, I just hate the fact that this third film, everyone suddenly wants it to be, like, all the Spider-Men and all of their villains are coming to help Tom Holland, and, like, no, this is, like, the the whole idea of this should have been, like, a a smaller, like, personal film. He's dealing yeah. with like his identity being leaked and everything, and all that, having to defend himself. What the fuck does that have to do with like multiverse and and all that sort of stuff? It's just so strange. Again, this feels like a movie that a lot of the decisions were made under duress here to try and make a lot of different entities Sound- happy. It sounds like all the decisions on this film were made by Sony. They feel very Sony, don't they? It's almost like a Kevin Feige bet there. It's like, okay, tell you what, Sony, you got all up in arms about it. Why don't you run this one and we'll see what happens? <laughs> all right, fine, I will. It's like when a drummer in a band says, but I have a song. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what they call a drummer that breaks up with his girlfriend? Homeless. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, take that, drummers. Comic <laughs> multiverse coming for all the drummers of the world. <laughs> Except for Dave Grohl. We love you, sweet Dave Grohl. You're the best. <laughs> but yeah, this this whole thing is weird. Everything I hear about Spider-Man No Way Home just sounds weirder and weirder. I hope it's good because I really like those first two. Yeah, I hope it's good too. But yeah, why why does it need to be a multiverse film? And why does everyone want it to be? Again, I can only theorize it's a combination of, uh, you know, Into the Spider-Verse being as great as it was, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that that movie was made from the ground up to be a multiverse movie, Mm -hmm. and also because they had to play with the parts that they were given because they didn't have access to everything else, and they made it work because, you know, they put real artists and real people who cared uh, what is it involved with it. And also because maybe, just maybe, Sony is getting more input on this one because they weren't going to do it at first, and then it almost didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, Tom Holland, being a good, sweet baby baboo boy, got it to happen. (laughs) And now maybe Sony's, you know, flexing their dick a little bit more on this, where it's like, no, all Spider-Men matter. Even the ones we made, especially the ones we made, because maybe we'll want to make more Spider-Men movies one day. (laughs) So they need to matter. (laughs) And Marvel's like, sure, whatever, what fucking ever, we'll we'll fix it in the next Avengers movie, we just need Spider-Man to be in the next Avengers, it's fine. (laughs) And maybe Daredevil will be here too, also. Yeah, because there's a court scene in the film and that automatically means that Daredevil's gonna be in there. Same same as, like, there's a court scene in in Falcon and Winter Soldier, so it has to be in there, and Jennifer Walters has to be there as well. Because there's only two, two lawyers in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
in the entire one. It, it really does almost feel sometimes, and again, I hope I'm wrong. Again, you know, make sure to note that I really hope I'm wrong on this one. That this is almost like them testing the bounce. Like, people love Spider-Man, right? And they'll always love him regardless, because... <laughs> Tom Holland is great, and because people love Spider-Man, so we can just put whatever the fuck we want in here, right, and make it a bloated mess, but it'll be fine, because people love Spider-Man, and that'll save it, right? <laughs> That's the way I'm feeling. Like, again, this the more I hear about this movie, the more it almost sounds like it's being made on a dare, and I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, it's it's it keeps, to me, it keeps sounding like it's being made by fans who don't know mm. how, like, films work so they're like just shove everything yeah. that i like into it and it'll just work yeah it'll be good you if know it like has how the things people that i like on it'll the be internet good. and then reddit write movies and they're just awful. Yeah, yeah it's just it's, them. it's like it's it's this is just fan service yeah. this is nothing there's no plot no characters no through line this is just fan service mm-hmm. Which, I hope it's not that. I hope that with everything we've seen, that, you know, the people who make the final decisions in these things know what they're doing and know where it's like, no, there has to be a story, there has to be a three-act structure and a through-line and a theme and everything else, or else we're just, you know, jerking off here. Well, yeah, again, like, I don't think Kevin Feige would put his name to it if he didn't believe in it and believe they have something to work with. For all the things you can throw at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and people do, I think the reason, more than just about anything else that they have maintained for over a decade now, is they aspire and always usually get there to a certain level of quality that audiences know when they spend their 15 bucks to go to the movie, you're going to have this much fun <laughs> with a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, we promise. That's that's all guarantee. <laughs> That's the that's that's the foggy guarantee. I do not know why he is southern now, but that's why. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's your Spider-Man news, everyone. That's uh that's a thing. Yeah. And you know how you wash down a story like this, Matt? How's that? With our sponsor, Wild Bill Soto. If you use the code on the screen right now, you can get yourself ten percent off uh, your next big purchase. There, we know you've been buying because they actually allow me to keep track of who's buying what, and it's always appreciated. We like to know that uh, we can give our fans a nice little discount, and you can find that discount on screen all throughout the episode, and you can also find it down in the description. Yeah. See, see how seamless I did that ad read, Matt? See how seamlessly I blended from one to another? Just, mwah, I'm good at this. It took me 231 episodes, but I'm good at this now, finally. Uh, but yeah, I guess with that, we can talk into the comics we read this week. And again, I didn't read everything. I haven't had a chance to read Wolverine or Thor yet, but I did read quite a few comics this week. No, well, I read Thor. There you go. Actually, you know, hey, should we talk about shows this week? I know we did that last week because there's a lot of really good comic TV right now. Should we do show talk before we do comic talk? Let's do show talk. Let's do show talk. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, a big penultimate episode this week. Holy shit. Yeah, goddamn. This episode was just... This is honestly probably the best thing the MCU has done. This episode. It's, it's really good. And it was also really divisive, too. I feel people either walked away loving this episode. I saw quite a few people say that it was bland and boring. I thought, what the fuck is wrong with you? But, you know, to each their own. (laughs) I think this is a perfect example of what the MCU can do on television. And, like, you know, the strengths that that has doing a series as opposed to doing a whole big movie. Absolutely, yeah. Again, it's like that pros and cons thing. And this is definitely more of a pro uh absolutely these characters because goddamn the the stuff they do 
it just this in this episode alone for like uh john walker is just mm-hmm. amazing so first things first they get the big action scene out of the way i i like that i like that we started like you'd think that like that big action scene would be like uh the big the finale. finale big big grand finale but nope we're straight into it bucky breaking john's arm and yep john breaking falcon's wings and just everything Ugh. going to shit again visual storytelling on that when this shield that you think is yours can actually be used against you and it hurts you more than it helps you and also hey alone bucky and falcon couldn't do it but only when they worked together were they able to break john walker's arm only when they brought their powers together only with their powers combined through friendship though ironically they're not really friends at that point they do become friends by the end of the episode which i think i'm like co-workers as they say i'm like ah now you're friends you're friends come on but again that's what's beautiful about this show kind of the mission statement where it's like and they even say it in this episode we weren't really friends we were both friends with a mutual guy now that guy is dead what the fuck are we yeah what does that make both of us to each other what does that make us and i'm like yeah that's basically the thesis of the show what does that make you but uh yeah they defeat john walker and uh the same evil government stooges that installed him in the first place end up throwing him under the bus and man they do a really good job and you got to give wyatt russell all the you know all the praise in the world for this and that you know he makes john walker be like like an asshole unlikable but also pitiful to the point you almost come around and sympathize with him again yeah and like and like he's still doing like stuff you would expect like a good guy to do like he goes and visits Mm. lamar's uh family yep and and like that That, that's a really nice scene but then like it turns and he's like i'm gonna fuck kill everyone and and all that and you're like oh no he's bad guy It's that Walker can even ruin good moments, which I think is so, like, is is, is very good writing. And again, great performance. It's the fact that he goes to talk to Lamar's family because he knows that's the right thing to do and that's what a good guy's supposed to do. He doesn't really know what to say, though. And when they start, like, smacking him with sympathy, that, like, makes him feel worse and feel shittier because he knows deep down he doesn't deserve it. Mm Mm-hmm which is a hell of a thing. And then when he leaves and he sees that picture of like, John Walker is Captain America. He's like, no, I'm not. (laughs) Is yeah, it's, it's a very like very interesting scene. And again, I think this proves why the way they did John Walker, the way they did in the show, where as we've mentioned before, he could have walked out on stage with a red hat just like, you know, being super racist and super shitty, but the fact that they're building him subtly, and that means, hey, even when this show is done, they can keep doing that. They can keep doing his journey. That's the one thing I'm really, and I have to imagine we will, given like some of the character introductions in this episode, um, that we will get to see him again as US agent in something else other than the last episode this week. Yeah, it, it certainly feels that way. So yeah, he he gets thrown under the bus by his military superiors in a scene I really like, where it's like, well, I, I just did what you told me to. I've always just done what you've told me to. And again, I see a scene like that. I'm like, how can anyone think that, again, the whole like Marvel military propaganda thing, they're literally pointing and saying, no, the military brass are the bad guys. They keep yeah, fucking up. I really like that scene. Yeah, I like that he called them out. And he's, I, I think he, he mentioned this, like he, he was made by them, like, yeah they they made him they they're not their hands are not clean in this like they think they are 
I am your Frankenstein's monster. And yeah. again, keep keep it up with the very subtle social commentary. This episode had subtle social commentary and then also like, hey, let's not make it subtle and let's talk about it. But yeah, so John Walker, the shitty replacement Captain America at his absolute lowest after taking super soldier serum, after getting beaten up by non-superpowered black women and having his white fragility shattered, after getting kicked out of the army, literally gets recruited by Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, the, the, the uh, mystery character everyone assumed was going to be, like, some, I don't know, Reed Richards, you know, WandaVision yeah. again, uh, came in and, uh, yeah, she's playing Madame Hydra. Yeah, I love... I love her entrance because you know she's someone important because they show her like in an off uh, lens thing there when she walks up before coming into frame. And I'm like, oh shit, it's Elaine from Seinfeld. <laughs> Which, man, I've always had such a goddamn crush on Julia Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> and I love that she's Madame Hydra, but not the Madame Hydra you think. She's one of the other Madame Hydra. Yeah, uh, what's her name? Allegra, Allegra. de Fontaine. Yeah, big, uh, big long name, but also very interesting history in the comics because she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. a sleeper agent in Leviathan, mm -hmm. uh, which is the group that Flag Smasher started in the comics, yep. which is very cool. And also, yeah, a version of Madame Hydra, too. So I'm like, ooh, you actually get a lot of interesting connections there for the price of one. And at a time, she was the love interest to Nick Fury. Ooh. So I wonder Man, if they I could play with that. that. They could play with that. Julia Lee Dreyfus was also in a show, uh, uh, what is it, Married to Coulson as well, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so they know each other. Also, again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's ability to pick really interesting comedic actors and give them, like, serious roles. Yeah, and it works. It's great. She's she's fantastic in that, in that scene. Apparently, she was actually meant to uh, debut in Black Widow first. Oh, really? Yeah, so whether she's actually still in the Black Widow film now or whether they've oh, redone the scene a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, they, they're keeping her on for quite a while, I think. She's great, too, because you know she's sinister. And obviously, mm -hmm. because we know she's Madame Hydra, we know she's almost certainly, you know, working for whatever Hydra has become in this post-Blip world. Mm -hmm. And her being like, hey, you know, uh, just when I call, answer. And I'm like, oh, wow, this, you know, white guy who had his fragility broken in pieces is now literally being recruited by Nazis now <laughs> <laughs> to pretty, be their champion. Holy shit. Good. I like as well that she hands uh, Walker's wife a, like, card, and he, like, gets it, and it's just like blank there's like nothing on yeah. it <laughs> that's great that's very fun why because when you call you'll know <laughs> and again to him like i feel they're gonna keep going with that because like i feel like they're not gonna be able to wrap all that up in one episode we're gonna see her again in other shit aren't we oh it'd be so cool if like by the end of this they like like they did with the mandalorian season two how they announced like the book of boba fett at the end they announced mm. like like u.s agent and the thunderbolts or something oh oh yeah i could definitely see that 100 percent because she's definitely, definitely going to set up the thunderbolts because she's got she'll get uh she'll get him to be the u.s agent because that's kind of like what the post-credit scene of this episode implied um yeah. and then like uh zemo obviously is in this episode for a little bit we get to see and was the original thunderbolt founder yeah and he's been sent to the raft Yes, which I love they say that again, that uh, the raft is still a thing and still in use for supervillains. Yes. We'll get Blonsky out at some point, too, or the leader that's still oh, sticking well, around. Oh, well, Blonsky's going to be in She-Hulk. Oh, that's right. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Also, uh, I was right. Sharon is the power broker, almost certainly. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
because as she says when she re-recruits uh Batrock, which I positively love that Batrock gets to come back tying all that stuff from episode 1 together. Mm-hmm. You know, mentioning the last time I paid, you know, I'm like, oh, I knew you had to be uh, the power broker. Because, again, makes sense. The whole, you know, spy movie espionage. You can't even trust your friends. Yeah, I, I like uh, Sharon's story quite a lot in this in this show. She's done wonders for that, a character who was Same. really in those films just set dressing. Absolutely. And it also makes sense, too, where it's like, well, how come she never came back? How come no one ever tried to look for her? Because she didn't want to be found. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as well, the, the government, like, fucked her over. And Now, here's the thing. Yeah. Did she did she become the power broker because she got fucked over and her friends, you know, forgot about her and she went to the sinister dark side? Or are they really going to turn up the heat there and be like, no, 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 she was actually one of the Hydra sleeper agents, too? Maybe. I could, I could actually see... Maybe if they keep doing it like they did with WandaVision and they keep building towards it, I could see her potentially being a scroll. Mmm, that's right. Where it's like, yeah, we got the real Sharon Carter here in a tube. I was a scroll. Because we're obviously setting up Secret Invasion and, like, being in her position of power would actually be quite beneficial for the scrolls. A lot of interesting ways they could go with it. I definitely appreciate that uh, they gave her as much material as they did. Absolutely. So that's certainly super cool. Uh, man, all the stuff with Isaiah Bradley this week and that, like, heart-to-heart conversation he had with Sam Mann, that is some hard, hard knowledge they're kicking here on this Disney Plus show. And again, for everyone who says, oh, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, oh, it's just for kids, oh, you know, it's not refined, it's so, you know, uh, what is it, philosophically dead, I just want to sit them down and show them this fucking scene. It's funny, because those same people all, like, exclaim that, like, oh, keep politics out of my falcon and winter soldier so i'm like yes keep keep uh keep politics out of a show about people fighting over the literal american flag yeah fighting over who gets to be the face of america (laughs) literally which again fucking greg grendelwald like goddamn turns over in his fucking grave Geez, you think a show called, uh, what is it, Falcon and Winter Soldier, a continuation of the story of Captain America might just be a little political, go figure. <laughs> and to have, like, Isaiah Bradley basically just come really hard at Sam and be like, yo, what self-respecting black man would want to be the face of America, given the history of slavery and Jim Crow and police violence and everything else, and Sam doesn't have a good answer. No, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, he doesn't have the answers and stuff. And then I like it, they tie it back into his his sister being the one that mm. kind of, like, pushes him to become Captain America and being the definitely being the new the new captain america which we we, oh, we got teased with the suit as well again it's the idea where it's like if you don't like the face of america you should change, change the it. face of america yeah. and also too bucky coming to the realization that i hoped he would and the thing that so so many people missed in that first episode where it's like yeah Bucky is upset that, uh, you know, Sam didn't keep the shield when Steve gave it to him because, you know, Bucky is viewing that shield as family. But also, too, now that Bucky has gone on this adventure with Sam, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess being a black man to become the face of America and become the next Captain America, you would be under a lot of undeserved scrutiny. Yeah, it was it was also kind of shocking to see how many people didn't actually kind of see where they were going with with Bucky no, in yeah. that regard because I picked that up almost immediately but people just thought like oh he's just mad because he didn't get the shield 
Yeah, like the fact that people literally needed to spell that out for them, but uh, I'm glad they did, so now there can be no mistake that, yeah, that's what they were fighting about the whole time. Also, too, hey, uh, Falcon learning to use the shield much like he does in the comics, because, yeah, it became so easy for Steve, but not for someone like Sam. He's got to learn it. I, I like that, like, training montage, and yeah, he's got to learn how to catch the shield, otherwise it'll kill him. And uh, he's got to, like, train his body to be better and everything. I thought that was pretty cool. Hearts on fire. <laughs> I just couldn't see that without being like, all right, let's put some, Same with, you like, know, the montage bo- like music. Like, making a boat. Like, in the middle of, like, a, this MCU show, they just stop and just, like, these two guys just, like, try and build a boat. Again, I thought Red Dead Redemption, they're going to build a little house together in the sun yeah. or the rain whenever. See, again, that's the thing, too, where I think people are like, this show is boring. I didn't come here. Oh, thank you, uh, Count Chocolate's house. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Hey, nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's when people are like, this show is boring. I didn't sign up for them to do a boat. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. This is what I read comics for. Yeah, this is like every other comic issue. <laughs> yeah, it's not always big world-ending shit. Sometimes you learn more about the characters. When they just sit down and build a little boat together and the people come out from the town because this is what America is really (laughs) about, helping your neighbor. This is what we're talking about, in case you didn't know. (laughs) I love it. And also, Bucky flirting with Sam's sister was pretty fun, too. That was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. (laughs) Uh, Come on, you don't want me to be your brother-in-law? Come on. And also building up the fact, too, where uh, obviously Bucky helps Sam with his problem, and in turn, he basically becomes a good counselor, which we know is his job already, and says, look, you know, so much of your list and so much of the forgiveness you're looking for, you're doing it wrong. You're just, you know, you're just being an Avenger again. It's not about, you know, trying to make yourself feel better. You should try and make other people people feel better, and in turn, you'll feel better about yourself. Yeah, again, and... uh what was the thing he says he says just uh pick one one thing on that list and just do it yeah thanks echidna and we know that thing is he's gonna have to go to yuri the yeah Japanese oh they said they they, gonna... they basically said he's going to go and talk with yuri and he's gonna have to finally come clean about all the shit that he did there and i'm like yeah and that's gonna be really hard for him that's basically his journey this show can i work up the courage to you know explain myself to this man i hurt so deeply yeah and i'm, I'm wondering where that's gonna leave him like where does where does Winter Soldier go on from here? I don't know. Yeah, it'd be cool if uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a team of some kind. That'd be yeah, because cool. he's not welcome back into Wakanda anymore. Ao tells no. him to stay away from Wakanda for a while. Yeah, yeah, get get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> like he's not even mad. He doesn't. He's like, no, no, I, I get it. <laughs> Your Wakanda privileges have been revoked. <laughs> But yeah, real real cool episode, real fun episode, and set up for a big old finale there where the Flag Smashers are going to basically be attacking the world governments. Yeah, attacking New York, uh, so we're going to get the big set. Uh, I know their story got like completely like rewritten, because their original story was they were actually going to, uh, because they wanted the world back to the way it was, uh, they mm. were going, during the blip, they were going to release a virus oh and, is that and try what happened and try and get the population back down and they obviously yeah you know, i mean they could have done it but yeah you know optics aren't very good on that <laughs> so it's a little in bad taste so that, I that's get why it. like 
their story is kind of like i wouldn't say underwritten but they're like kind of like stagnated for the last couple episodes it feels a little schizophrenic because it's like well what's your plan it seems like you guys don't have a plan you Mm -hmm. wanted to get the serum then you had the serum but then you didn't make more because you didn't want to use the serum and now you're like ah fuck let's just attack the yeah and obviously they couldn't really redo most of it because of covid and everything and yeah Yeah. the schedules and And whatnot And, like, also, here's the thing, too. Flag Smashers in the comics, or Leviathan, because Flag Smasher was a guy, Leviathan was his group, they never had good plans. Nah, nah. They never had good plans at all. In fact, I'm actually kind of uh, awaiting the moment where it's like we find out that Allegra was actually sponsoring the Flag Smashers from afar, because that was the twist in the Grunwald comics. Actually, these whole anti-Patriot, anti-Flag, Flag Smasher guys were actually secretly being funded by Hydra. That's what I thought was going to happen this episode with the uh, the GSC. I thought they, they were going to be revealed to be like, oh, they're the ones backing them so they can like move into all these countries and like yeah. established places and whatnot and get money there's, and whatnot there's there's still time for it because that way you wash your hands and be like look you know uh, carly mortenthal and the others they went about it wrong but their ideas were still right and they were being manipulated by the bigger evil see it's those guys we should all be getting together to stop the hydra guys is what we should be doing that would be cool if this is like yeah this is the show that actually starts bringing hydra back in a big way because they have to come back. And as Brandon says, I'll admit I missed all that stuff because I was enjoying the rest of the stuff in the episode. And how was re- Agreed, yeah. Brandon. You're right because everything else is so good. You forget that. I, yeah. I totally agree. And again, it's it was out of their control. They couldn't do anything to like really salvage. They did the best they could with what they had. Yeah. And also, too, it's like the Flag Smashers are basically kids. So, like, I can understand that they don't really have much of a plan. They no. just got a really good On social media that, department. they've got, like, the Super Soldier Serum and, and Carly just, like, saw her, like, mother figure die. And, yeah. Like, yeah, very reactive. Yeah, very reactive, which is which is fine by me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so, yeah, that show continues to be great. It does. And I'm very excited for the finale, and we totally know that uh, Falcon's going to put that suit on. It's going to be the suit from the comics. Yeah, and I I have to imagine we're getting the U.S. agent suit as well. Mmm, a twofer of suits. Yeah, well, that post credit scene basically all confirms he's making his own, like, shield, and I have to imagine his own costume. Oh, was there a post credit in this? Oh, you didn't see it? It was uh, uh, Walker, he's, like, making his own shield because he doesn't have the shield now oh. he was like uh mate getting all like cutting stuff up with angle grinders and he's putting his like medal of honors in the shield okay. and everything and okay i gotta go but damn it marvel <laughs> either have all the episodes have post credits or have a warning before it starts hey there's a post credit in this one <laughs> Dag nabbit. They did that with WandaVision too, where it's like, oh, we're only gonna have post credits in the last two episodes. Oh, come on. <laughs> you bet in the first episode I was watching all the way to the end to make sure there was a post credit, and then I stopped. <laughs> I got complacent. <laughs> Motherfucker. Uh oh, Invincible. Did you see Invincible this week? I did, yes. Another really solid episode. I like now that they've set up the world and the characters and the relationship, they can really laser focus and tell like a story. Yeah, it's great really solid stuff uh ezra miller in this one actually really excelling as a creepy slimy villain i'm like oh yeah this was uh this was their thing right and like you know we got to talk about kevin and everything it's only recently were they cast as like uh heroic leads and stuff yeah yeah he he was great as the uh i'm not sure what the mad scientist name was but yeah he was da sinclair that's the one who uh 
what is it? They set up the Reanimen, the robots, so they don't actually get called Reanimen in the show in like issue six, but Sinclair didn't show up to like issue twenty. Okay. So that was a long-form story they were doing. Also, William, uh, the friend, knows that Mark is invincible, and I love the way he figures it out, too, just by looking up. Yeah, just by, like, looking at him, it's like, ah, oh, that's Mark. Which which is actually a callback to a joke from the comics that has yet to make it into the show, and that is like, hey, how do all these regular normal people not recognize the super stuff around them? And Omni-Man says to Mark, oh, yeah, regular people, you'll notice they have a hard time looking up. <laughs> Which is both, like, literally they have a hard time looking up and seeing the heroes flying overhead, because why would you? But also, figuratively, they're so trapped in their own rat race lies that they never closely examine everything around them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Debbie also totally found out about it now beyond the shadow of a doubt that her husband is a killer and the part he played mm-hmm. and everything. And confronts him as well. Very much. Played completely different in the show than it is in the comics, and in fact, I'm like, oh no, he's gonna kill her now. But he doesn't. He just punches the drywall like every D-bag uh, ex-husband. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, there you go. That's a good piece of visual storytelling in case you wanted to know what type of dude he is. <laughs> Crazy, too. Uh, what is it? You know, Mark runs away to be a hero and his girlfriend breaks up with him because it's like, no, you ran away. And all I can think is like, how many times has Peter Parker or Superman done the same thing? I, I was getting a little frustrated. and like, just tell her, Mark. I, like, I know why he doesn't do it. And I know yeah. like the whole like, you know, like protect your, your, your loved change ones and your everything life, yeah. and, and everything. But like, just tell her. It'll be so much yeah. simpler. You know he wanted to, too. It's funny, this episode in general, I think, wasn't afraid to show that Mark is kind of a fuck-up very early on in his superhero career, especially because when it comes to actually stopping the bad guy, he doesn't believe William at first. He doesn't do any of the legwork or detective work. William does that for him, and in the end, those robots were kicking his ass and probably would have killed him if William wasn't able to get through to his boyfriend and, you know, show Mark how to defeat them. Yeah. So he kind of fucked up, like, everywhere on this mission. And this was after the last mission where he was almost killed. Again, this show really does a great job demystifying and dispelling a lot of, like, superhero myths and everything. Where it's like, no, he's a kid. He handles this like a kid would. He handles it badly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eve also got some really great stuff where she finally left home and left her parents Mm. and everything. And living in Treehouse and uh, helping people where she can being a grassroots super savior and everything was that was that in like the adam eve miniseries i know she got a little miniseries at one point and i never read it and i'm like this feels like something that was in her miniseries probably i never read that but yeah that that super focused stuff does feel like that which again i like she gets a b plot there and everything and also that uh you know her parents are the opposite of invincible's parents because they're like super unsupportive one one thing i'm hoping they do with her because they show in this episode she just like oh she helps grow crops and stops Mm. landslides not i'm i'm hoping they show the fact that why many superheroes don't do that and that is the people soon come to rely on them and Mm. like be careless and everything and they're like oh adam eve will save us you know invincible will save us uh, hilariously, they actually did a very good uh, Powerpuff Girls episode back in mm-hmm. the day that tackled that same idea where the people of Townsville became so, what is it, reliant on the girls for everything. They couldn't do anything else. So one day they're just like, you know, we're stopping. We're not doing anything. <laughs> and the town almost got destroyed again and everyone died because. <laughs> so that's a hell of a thing. Uh, but yeah, Invincible continues to be really good and only two more episodes left. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it's almost over. 
I know, and these are big, meaty episodes at, like, 40 minutes apiece. Yeah, they don't waste any time in those episodes. They do not, and you know, like, a lot of these stories aren't going to be able to be wrapped up in just one season. They have not announced a second season, but they're doing a second oh, season. It's Amazon. I imagine after the first episode's numbers, they, they were like, yeah, we're doing, like, ten seasons of this yeah come on we got enough material for it and everything but uh yeah invincible continues to be cool in fact i think the last two episodes have only gotten better absolutely have only gotten better because they have this laser focus now the world is set up and they can really like focus on everything that's going on Mm -hmm. so that's good uh all right i guess we can officially uh talk about what we read this week we can do the comic talk we can uh where would you like to begin matt uh well let's start with the new batman book that came out this week yes. the detective the detective from tom taylor his big long-awaited solo batman title yes that was originally legends of the dark knight but got renamed right. because legends of the dark knight came back because <laughs> there's another legends of the dark knight book up now this book isn't supposed to be in continuity yet it actually fits very comfortably very into continuity comfortably. yeah i have to imagine that was uh, something Tom thought about when he was writing is like this isn't in continuity, but if they want it to be, it can be. Hey, no, neither was Dark Knight Returns back in the day when it started, but now everyone sees it as canon, and if this becomes a story people love. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so there's a big plane hijacking in Europe. You know, some weird terrorists who put on white Batman face masks before trying to crash a whole plane get into a fight with the new British knight who was actually the old squire in Batman Inc. Yes, yes. She, 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 well, she's been knight for a while. Been That's right, I guess she has now. been. Um, but yeah, yeah, she was the, the squire, uh, Beryl uh, Hutchinson. Yeah, that's her name there. What a fun name, Beryl Hutchinson. How very <laughs> British. But uh, yeah, so she gets hurt in the plane crash and everything. Word gets back to Batman that a Gotham airliner crashed in Europe. And he's like, well, my butler's dead. My family hates me. And uh, I'm all alone in this big house. Uh, Time to go on a European vacation, I guess. Yeah, I'm not making the city any better, really. I'm just going to go out into the world. And uh, it seems like he's being set up on like another one of his like travels like he he took before he became Batman. This is like another world tour. Absolutely. Uh, and again, you know, because I'm going to rainy ass England, I need a trench coat and some goggles. Yes, of course. Why not? It's a fine look. He pulls it off. It's just it's Damien Wayne's look from Batman six six six. It did. You see Damien from afar looking at that, being like, mm, "Yeah, I want that. <laughs> I want that for me. I want all that for me." <laughs> Uh, again, it's called Batman the Detective, and we actually do see him working as a detective, trying to, you know, find out why this plane crashed, what the deal was, and he is assisted by the new Squire. Yes, uh, her name's Amita? Yeah, I think so. Her name flew over my head, but yeah, she's new. Yeah, and uh, that's when Batman decides, oh, there's actually ghosts here, and that ghost is Gentleman yes. Ghost. <laughs> gentleman ghost who also got a uh what is it grittier uh remake uh makeover and he's like yeah you know i drink the fear of death and destruction all over the place and a plane crash is great for me let's let's fight about it yeah but he's not here for that he's here for batman's fear because he can smell the fear batman has deep down yes and uh yeah always scared batman's able to fight him because he's got special gloves that john constantine won in a card game and because John doesn't like getting into fights, he gave them to yeah. Batman. Checks out. Yeah. Checks out. I buy it. <laughs> yeah. I buy all of it. Checks out. <laughs> so yeah, Batman punches a fucking ghost in issue one, in case you're wondering <laughs> what kind of trip you're in for. 
he does that before eventually, you know, they go and check out uh, Knight in the hospital just as more of those weird Batman militia folks come up to try and shoot up the place. Yep, trying to finish off the uh, the uh, woman and everything. And that's when Batman learns that uh, the, all the people that were on that plane, all 147 of them, are people he has saved. Mm, yes, because he said earlier on in the issue, I feel I'm not making much of a change in Gotham. I'm not, you know, affecting much systemic change. If I only help people at all, it's on a person-by-person basis. And, you know, my hope is, is that if I do that, that'll create a butterfly effect throughout the rest of the city, and they'll help other people too. But now someone is actively trying to attack and destroy Batman's legacy. Yeah, the, these people, they don't have a name, but I'm just going to call them the White Knights because they're in the, uh, the white uh. Batman costumes. Well, they do drop the name Equilibrium, but we well, don't know well, if that's, that's a code phrase of, or something. Well, I think that's more of that they're trying to bring Equilibrium to mm. something. Some warped sense of Equilibrium. Yes, I liked that Christian Bale movie too. We should <laughs> yes, get more it's Equilibrium good. Oh, in the Is world. Batman going to do Gun Carter now? Oh my god, <laughs> he just gun caught at a point. Look, if he does that, then we know that Tom Taylor's a fan <laughs> of the movie Equilibrium. <laughs> yeah this was cool kind of a slow burn there trying to set up you know the mystery and all this other shit there but there's there's stuff going on here i really enjoyed it yeah me too yeah again feels different i know a lot of people actually said they didn't much like the internal monologue for batman in this one that it felt weird and different from every other time taylor has written batman's internal monologue that's why i liked it it's it's not the exact same batman he's writing it from you know deceased or injustice or anything else he's done it's a different batman and makes sense because he's an older batman as well it is you know i can appreciate him not trying to repeat himself and uh again i I think it throws people off because it feels like it could fit in continuity even though it's not in continuity yeah That's the thing. And yeah, he's an older Batman, but he doesn't look that much older. He talks about being older, but he still looks like regular old Batman. Yeah. But yeah, seems pretty solid. It's a miniseries. I love the European flavor. I mm-hmm. always dig it when Batman gets to, you know, be outside his element and be outside yep. Gotham for a little bit. Absolutely. It's always fun. I And I have to imagine Knight and Squire are going to be uh, oh, yeah. back up in this. I know like Squire in this issue was basically his Robin. Yes, someone for Batman to impress, which I appreciate that Batman yes. still wants to try and impress people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm real good. But, uh, yeah, so that was that one. Pretty solid. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, we had another Batman book this week. We had The Joker, which is really more of a Gordon book, despite them calling it uh, The Joker. But Batman <laughs> was in it, too. He was in it, yeah, in, in, a, in a very surprising way. And it's a surprising Very way to so. the character as well, I think. <laughs> I uh, I dig how thematic these issues of the Joker have been. You know, the first one is, you know, all about Gordon talking about getting older and not recognizing Gotham City anymore. And this one is all about Gordon's relationship to corruption and him saying being a cop in the worst city in the world, he has often been tempted about taking bribes or looking the other way. In fact, he mentions his old partner, Harvey Flass, who gets mm-hmm. to be back in continuity now because yes. of Infinite Frontier. Yeah. And how ultimately he never never took the corrupt way out, but he's certainly thinking of killing the Joker now, and he basically goes and he talks to Batman about it and has a little heart-to-heart with him. Yeah, he talks about wanting to do it. I, I do like as well that he he he, ba- he ba- makes, it, makes it known that he wants to go and do this, wants to go and find mm. uh, the Joker, and obviously Batman can't really do anything about that, and he wants to use Batman's resources to help him, mm-hmm. like the Bat computer and everything. <laughs> 
and Batman is slow to share. Yeah, Batman's like, oh, I don't, I don't like this new, new, new Gordon. I don't like the, I like the old one. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't go looking through my files on my back computer, especially not the one labeled homework. <laughs> nothing in there. Nothing, no, nothing in there for you to see, Jim. <laughs> It's uh, it's good too because you know we really see like Jim being a good detective and everything and that taking over. He's like, look, I don't like this case to begin with. This young lady who hired me has no paper trail, nothing, and no computers or any databases, and yet she knows so much about the Joker and this network that is hiding him. So certainly she's up to no good as well. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't trust anyone he's working for in this, and yeah, once Batman to run, I guess Batman's going to be like the B plot to this. Yeah. Uh, I love Batman's like, no, Jim, I think you totally should do this because I can't do it myself. I don't have the money. The city's so screwed up with Nakano right now. Look, if some crazy rich person is paying you to go hunt the Joker down, go do it. But just give me a call when you find him. (laughs) You'll be my new Robin, Jim. Here, I got some tights and some boots for you. (laughs) No, 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 and uh, also, too, you know, to show what a great detective is, uh, Jim, in this issue, he basically blows everyone's mind by being like, yeah, I know Oracle's Batgirl, and I know Batgirl's my daughter. Yeah, I've known for quite some time. I, I love that page, that, like, smug Jim. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, now they're trying, now Batman's trying to figure out whether I know anything else, and I'm yeah, not going to say anything, I'm just going to drink my coffee. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm good at my job. (laughs) And this leads to a very great scene between father and daughter where they actually lend more credence to the idea of Barbara becoming Oracle again than literally any other book uh, in the Batman line so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they also they explain it as like she's she's been taxing her uh, implant in her back as Batwoman, as Batgirl and uh, wants to kind of give it a break for a little bit and uh, become Oracle. And there's a bunch of other reasons as well but i like that they actually mentioned that that back implant as well because they mentioned Mm. that in i think it was nightwing or they mentioned it somewhere else because that they spin in a couple yeah of it starting to like affect her yeah absolutely i I know that was big in the castellucci run Mm -hmm. too but yeah the idea that you know she might not be able to do that forever Mm -hmm. so she needs to pick her moments now and try and find a way to be useful to the superhero community and it's just also a really real discussion between father and daughter where she's like look you know don't don't do this just because you think you need the money and everything i wouldn't let you be put out on the street or anything you know you're my elderly father and it's Mm -hmm. my job to take care of you etc etc and jim being like no i need to finish this i need to see this through or else i'll never be able to sleep at night you know i i I just can't leave this case unfinished Mm -hmm. Which is really, really good, and also really good characterization for Gordon, and I'm like, fuck, Gordon's a good character. Yeah, who knew? Yeah, he's a really fucking good character. Yeah, uh, Ambitious Cosplay, the back implant's been there for a long time. Yeah, I think Gail Simone came up with it first, and then other writers forgot about it, and then Castellucci brought it back, that was kind of their justification to be like, no, 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 Killing Joke definitely happened, and yes, she was, you know, crippled, but only for a little bit, and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, and then, yeah, there's other writers where they haven't done the back implant, and she just went through, like, physiotherapy, like Jeff Johnson's Three Jokers, and yeah. Again, it's one of those, like, hand-wavy things, but it is still technically in continuity. And, yes, something from the New 52 that actually got to stay. I'm Mm -hmm. surprised, too. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so uh, we also find out, too, that, you know, it's not just Gordon gunning for Batman because everyone still thinks the Joker pulled off the A-Day terrorist attack on Arkham, even though we know full well from reading the other books he didn't and that it's actually a frame-up. Yep. 
but we got, uh, what is it, She-Bane, a.k.a. the daughter of Bane, a new Venom experiment from Santa Prisco, who they created. James Tynan, he's he's cashing in on that that giant woman uh, Mm, craze that's happening at the moment. I'm all for it. Absolutely. James Tynan's like, look, man, I'm I'm on the pulse of the fetish community on Twitter. Look, all I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman, and I think it would be great, and I just can't wait for you to be a giant woman. <laughs> and I mean, come on, I'm totally down for that. Also, that's not enough. Apparently, there's also a clan of Texas cannibals who had a son in Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. Yep. So literally, we're just doing the Texas Chainsaw family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love that that guy's face. It's all like it's like Gus Fring. Yes, very much so. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I, I'm willing to buy that. There's just a group of crazy Texas cannibals here, and if that's not enough, guess what? The Court of Owls is also involved. Yeah, the mysterious woman who hired Jim is part of the Court of Owls. Yes, but apparently her family was excommunicated for some reason we don't know, and this is her way to try and get the family back in. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is probably the most I've actually been interested in the Court of Owls, because talk about another group of characters that were made really interesting when they appeared, but then, you know, diminishing returns well, every it's, other time. it's finally another writer actually tackling them properly. Yeah, also, too, the fact that uh, Tynan, again, someone on Twitter pointed this out to me, he wrote that original Talon spinoff, mm-hmm. that's how he broke into comics, and now he's writing about the Court of Owls again. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Calvin Rose, factor in somehow, come on, <laughs> Calvin Rose. <laughs> One way or another. But, uh, yeah, I like this. Again, this is all very, very, like, classic film noir is what this Absolutely, is. Absolutely, yeah, globetrotting detective stuff. It's, it's great. It's a great way to take Jim Gordon as well as this as this being positive as, like, his, like, final hurrah kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, too, I'm like, look, if this is what we had to do to get a kick-ass Jim Gordon miniseries, call it the Joker book when it's not really about the Joker, that's fine that's by a, that's me. That's the perfect way to do a Joker book. You don't make it about the Joker. Yeah, that's it's the only way you can tell a good Joker story. The Joker should never really be the lead in his oh. own story. It should only be about him bouncing tell off other to, characters. Like, Todd Phillips and all those people who want Joker eh. films. Oh, I know. Again, there's a great, there's a great freaking, you know, uh, template on how to do it, but we just can't do it. <laughs> Some people can't. Uh, but yeah, uh, Gordon is great. Again, I'm not even calling it Joe. I'm just calling it Gordon. The Gordon book <laughs> is the great. Gordon book. <laughs> even the backup is fun too. We see more of Punchline in jail and more of uh, Bluebird trying to hunt down uh, someone who actually knew Allison Kay. And oh shit, Orca's here too now. <laughs> I love that. I love prison orca. Again, more giant women, giant whale women. Yes. And their orange is the new black yard attire. Again, James Tynan the fourth on the cutting edge of giant <laughs> women fetishism. <laughs> giant women for all. <laughs> and I and I, I just love it. I'm just absolutely here for it. But uh, yeah, the Joker continues to be solid. I really like it. If you were unsure about picking it up because you're like, nah, I don't know if I want to read a Joker book. Don't worry. It's not even really about him. No, no it's not. It's a Jim Gordon it's book. About, it's, it's literally about everything else. And what it is about is really solid. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Uh, I had Superman issue 30. I had this too. In which Superman and Superboy fight symbiotes. 
basically, they're basically goddamn the alien <laughs> parasites that fell off not a celestial. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And infected a planet, yeah. What, what surprises me about this book and the way Philip Kennedy Johnson is writing it, and no one sold it as this way either, this idea that it's like, oh, this Superman book is now to Superman and Superboy what Batman and Robin is to Batman and Robin, because it's yeah. like a father-son team book now. Yeah, again, people people love to like complain about like oh we'll never get any of this stuff back all that like the the book opens with the F- kent family on mini golf and all that mm, sort of stuff which i like never get any of that stuff anymore because john's now taller yet here we are so i don't know why you're yeah. complaining <laughs> it's also it's also like even more of a focus now because it's them making up for lost time exactly. and everything where i'm like good good someone should be doing this exactly yeah again you you are always going to get this yeah which uh, I absolutely very much appreciate. Even more so, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, I'm sure you noticed this too, kind of changes the format on this one because the first two-part story that was Action and Superman, and I guess this story will continue in both now because that's the way it's set up, Mm -hmm. uh, was all told from John's point of view. This one, the point of view goes back to Superman, but they make a point of saying that this is like Superman writing in his journal about a... Yeah, about a mission that had happened beforehand because he left Earth and seemingly never returned. No doubt, again, probably talking about Future State. Uh, yeah, again, tying into Future State and probably that Superman and the Authority book. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's going to be a Superman and the Authority yeah, It hasn't book, been announced yet, but we've seen covers and everything for it. They leaked the art. It's like, look, if this is a fake, then this is a fucking very good <laughs> fake. That's right. I forgot that that's actually going to be a thing. That's, yeah. had, that's Morrison. Yeah, yes. Grant Morrison. Coming back to Superman and to the Authority in a weird way, like, like, man, what's it gonna take, Joel, for you to read an Authority book? Uh, Grant Morrison starring Superman. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> man, that's all you needed. But uh, yeah, they get a distress call from an alien world that Superman had helped out previously, and shit's uh, shit's fucked. Yeah, they get there, and Clark immediately knows that something is wrong because everything just feels weird. We really get to see Superman as a detective in this. This is basically yeah. a detective comic story starring Superman. <laughs> it is. It's great, isn't it? People don't seem yeah, to think I'm... of Superman, but it makes sense. He's an investigative journalist. And it's a teachable moment for his son, too. Where it's like, nah, none of this. Their stories don't add up, yeah. son. We got to, like, dig deeper into this. But we also got to make sure they don't know we're digging deeper into this. Yeah, we got we to gotta feign ignorance and then go investigate the celestial that fell into the uh, the, the canyon that we put him in all those years ago. Mm-hmm. They also draw a nice little parallel between John and all the pressure he's feeling to live up to his father, Superman, and to the prince of this world who has to take up uh, because his uh, friggin' father just died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah, again, building off the stuff we saw in Future State. Definitely. Fun, too, that this alien race where it's like, what's their gimmick? Every alien race needs a gimmick. Oh, well, their words have double meanings, which means they kind of sound like assholes. Yeah, they're, they're, their emotions aren't the same as us, so when they call superman and his son they're servants that they don't mean servants they mean like friends sort of thing yes and they call them both ugly yeah yeah (laughs) i'm like wow just the passive aggressive race (laughs) and of course in the end oh no the evil alien parasites are back and we gotta fight them and everything and oh maybe someone we already know is under their control yeah and maybe the whole the whole planet is already under their control maybe Again, it's, you know, we've seen stories like this before with Superman, but it's told in an interesting enough way. This is definitely one of those, it's all in the telling type of stories. Absolutely, yeah. And the backup was a lot of fun as well. It was an ambush bug backup. Yeah, man, freaking ambush bug, getting some more love. He gets to be the poster child for those uh, 
from the vault DC stories. Now he gets to be in this too. Yeah, yeah. It's a, he fights uh, Deadstream, the villain we saw in the last backup that Bibo fought, the mm. water-based villain who gets inside his brain from his coffee and ends up trying to control uh, Ambush Bug because Ambush Bug's such a strange fucking weird character he's able to teleport this guy to like a world that's like uh all moisture gets sucked into the core so he just leaves him on this dead desert earth place <laughs> fun stuff i like that backups are back yeah it's and it's a good backup as well it's, it's uh telling one long story of tales of metropolis what happens when superman isn't in uh in the city we get uh heroes like steel and vigilante and all that stepping mm. up to sort of uh take the take the mantle and try and save the city i like it i bet if any of those backups are really popular they'll probably spin those characters out into their own thing probably it is kind of funny that midnighter gets backups in the superman book you think he would get backups in the batman book because he's met and hung out with the batman family again it it goes into that that whole thing where he's got that superman and the authority book coming up gotta set it up and as well remember that whole story was based around him going to uh woolworld to stop that that uh trojan guy from creating that kryptonite synthetic kryptonite mm, stuff that that that's right diorite or whatever the fuck it was called yeah the weird name they gave it yeah I, i'd like to ask philip kennedy just like that means something right like you read a book about the elements and that's like He's some latin thing those. that actually makes sense it's uh, oh is he not michael conrad and becky clunan oh right that's right yeah wow huh, had a brain fart there okay i'd like to sit them down and be like hey man what's that actually mean because <laughs> i know it means something but i hate reading it and having to say it like you get like an alien word where it's like that just makes me mad to read that <laughs> yeah call it call it something simpler please <laughs> i'm just gonna call it the not kryptonite is that yeah, okay synthetic kryptonite <laughs> there works for me that's fine uh another book i had this week i had the spider's shadow from chip Zdarsky. i read this one as well yes the first of what they're claiming will be a brand new line of what if stories at marvel yeah and it was pretty great yeah starting with a very very simple concept hey what if peter parker never got rid of the symbiote and a lot of people are quick to say hey haven't they told that story before yeah probably but not in this way yeah this this was a pretty damn good way to take it uh, Chip Zdarsky, if you didn't already know from his Life Story series, the man kind of knows his way around telling alternate uh, history Spider-Man stories. Yeah, knows his way around alternate histories and Spider-Man. Absolutely. I like that they kind of treat Spider-Man's relationship with the symbiote here like a junkie with his junk. He just can't give it up and it's, you know, sabotaged every part of his life. Yep. Even the way he says, the only way I feel normal and full anymore is when I'm on the suit, a.k.a. when I'm doing the drugs. Yeah, or on the source. <laughs> yeah, when I'm on... Exactly, yeah, you can read it as anything. Yeah, he's he's sleeping all day now. He's got, like, a terrible 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> he, he kind of hits Mary Jane by accident because he's so fucked up on nightmares and everything, and Aunt May isn't talking to him anymore. Oh, and he dropped out of school. Yep. Which, for a big brain like him to drop out of school, that's pretty... is a pretty big deal. <laughs> I love, too, that, like, the villain he fights in this issue is Hobgoblin. I think a lot of people forget before Venom showed up and kind of blew every other villain out of the water. Hobgoblin was the guy. He was, like, the number one Spider-Man villain of that era. Yeah, and it wasn't Harry or or Norman either. 
no, no, it was fucking Roderick, and that's even when they knew it was Roderick, they went through, like, several retcons, but I love Spider-Man, he's just so fucked up on Symbian, he's just like, look, I'm taking your goddamn mask, oh, Roderick, it's you, fuck off. <laughs> but the guy doesn't fuck off. <laughs> No, in fact, that really hurts Roderick's feelings. He's like, no, there's a there's a rhythm to this. There's a tradition. You broke it, Spider-Man. You know, you changed the rules of engagement. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that comes to a head right at the end of the issue where Spider-Man just gets done with the Hobgoblin and ends up killing him. Yeah, you know, he, 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 what is it, his friends in the superhero community, you know, kind of cast him aside, you know, Mary Jane says he needs to get help, but again, when his friends try and help him, he's like, no, you don't understand, I need it, we're good together, and uh, yeah, ultimately, he cannot save Aunt May from her burning house, mm-hmm. because the symbiote's like, no, that'll kill me if you go in there, so don't. Yeah, so he can't, because can't, yeah, his drugs will burn up. He's literally forced between, you know, his addiction and Aunt May, and he chooses his addiction, and instead of that being the final straw for him, he just redirects all that anger and hate at Hobgoblin and kills him and assumes a darker, more sinister, more Venom-esque form. It looks like it's a good costume. It is. Again, it's it's not just let's do Venom again. It's like, no, this is Venom by way of Peter Parker. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Yeah, so is this is this going to be like is that, is that like the end of it? There's not going to be a part 2 of it. I think this is going to be a mini series, I think they okay, said. Okay, so do you reckon they're going to go he's going to go Chip is going to go the way of his life story and it's going to jump like, "Oh, this is this was like when the original uh mm. symbiote story so it's like 80s, 90s. We're going to jump into the 2000s and then like 2010s." Yeah, that was my thought, where it's like, okay, so yeah, we're gonna flash forward, he's killing people now, which means, you know, the rest of the superhero community probably has no time from what becomes of Eddie in this world. Yeah, does Eddie end up becoming the hero? Does Eddie end up becoming the hero in the story? What becomes of Flash Thompson? Because now you've pulled this one symbiote thread, what does this do to the rest do of continuity? Do we just get, like, the anti-venom? The agent yeah, I don't anti-venoms know. and stuff like that. And again, if we keep going in time, like you said, if we do it, okay, yeah, Chemdog says it's four parts, so yeah, it's short, but it's still a thing. Does that mean uh, Peter will eventually have to deal with Null, or are we keeping this in very much, you know, the time frame of what it is, where it's like, no, 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 the symbiote is just an evil parasite alien, there's no That would be no pretty cool stuff. if he has to deal with Null. Because I noticed a lot of people had a problem with that, mostly new readers, I think, where they're like, hey, why is the symbiote shown to be so evil here, where in the Venom book we've seen that the symbiote actually has, like, a good soft side, and I'm like, well, guys, you gotta understand, that's, like, decades worth of retcons. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's more of a recent development, that when they first appeared, they were literally just, like, an evil alien symbiote. (laughs) evil space parasite and it's like look and they've gone through so many changes they've been a noble warrior race under bendis you know then they were like again evil space aliens and then now they're like actually no they were a noble uh warrior race until null took over them and made them like mindless zombie thralls Mm -hmm. so again there's been a lot of development i think that's funny that you know between the venom movie and like king and black people are way more sympathetic for the venom costume than they ever have been before yeah yeah (laughs) Where it's like, no, guys, you need to remember, when it started, there was no sympathy. <laughs> I mean, shit, they even, like, retconned as to why the suit is evil, and that's only because, like, it went on Deadpool, and because it was cra- Deadpool was crazy, it made the symbiote crazy. Yeah. <laughs> They've come back many a times to that story. But yeah, Spider's Shadow is very cool. Awesome, awesome. And again, could have been, like, a very creatively bankrupt idea, but like, oh, what if Spider-Man, but more symbiote, but they actually make it work. Yeah. 
Uh, what else did you have, Matt? I had Thor issue 14. Okay, I haven't read this yet, so if there's some spoilers, try and go easy on me. But how cool was it? Uh, it was pretty cool. I'm just trying to think if there's... I mean, yeah, I probably won't talk much about the end, although I kind of have to. Oh, okay. It, it, there isn't. It's not. It's kind of goes where you think it's going to go. Um, I mean, I'm going to read it regardless. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is the fi- finale of the uh, the prey storyline with Donald Blake. Mm. Uh, Thor last issue possessed the destroyer armor, and he so cool. He kicks Donald Blake's ass all around the Bifrost. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just whooping his ass up and down. You ain't never seen such ancient he, Norse ass whoopings it, before. It's funny because like like um Donald is gonna give one of his speeches and, and Thor's like, No, no, we're we're through with words. I'm just gonna beat you until you're dead. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy King Thor for you right now. I I don't got time for this. And I'm trying to stop the end of the world. They they eventually, with Doctor Strange's magic, manage to subdue him and uh Odin wants to finish it up and finish him and uh it's actually actually again like donny case does a great job of selling donald blake as yeah he's a villain but you can kind of sympathize with him and uh, he has like all of this was done to him yeah he he has this great line where it's like fine uh father because odin's his father return me to what i was which was nothing i was ooh, nothing ooh. to you and return me to that and and odin's more than happy to try to do that um, but, he's like yes yes please um, i'd be happy but what to. he doesn't seem to realize is that if if donald dies thor doesn't get his body back um that's right they're still tied because the stick so uh loki manages to remake the stick and in the nick of time thor gets his body back and manages to stop odin from killing donald because as odin oh it's it's such a great scene because thor finally asserts dominance that he's the king and he says i am the king you are not sit down old man it's like good good, stuff fuck off back to your bar um which which makes sense because so much of this arc is thor being like i'm king but i don't feel like i'm yeah it's it it, as a cinema review it's it's finally he's like finally owned up to the fact that he is king and he's doing like king stuff and doing it his way too it's like no 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 no. if you were in charge you would have killed this guy despite the fact that he's only bad because of the shit you put him through i'm king and i say no more killing today yeah he doesn't he doesn't want to kill uh donald blake uh but he's not not against hurting him and as he says he's not against hurting a brother who's out of line and he ends up like striking Mm. him with lightning and knocking him out and um yeah the the book ends with um odin going off into wherever go back to his bar or something for beta ray bill to find and, him in his series yeah yeah and uh yeah we see beta ray become the horseman again because he grabs mjolnir and it gives him his power back um, which they kind of spoiled in the beta yeah, ray bill yeah. thing because clearly this was supposed to come out before yeah um and yeah uh thor ends up giving donald over to uh loki and telling loki mm. like do what would you do with him and loki's like well I'm the god of lies would you would you like to know or would you like me to lie to you <laughs> and it's it's kind of left ambiguous whether he lied to thor or not but uh we learned that he actually imprisons donald in the way that the actual mythological loki is imprisoned which is he's tied to a uh to like a bench and a giant snake drips venom into his eyes uh, for all eternity and he is actually granted donald blake is actually granted the title of god of lies now oh that's cool yeah so they they left him alive setting him up in case anyone else wants to use him down the line for anything i like that they turned him into a villain 
Yeah, it's it's a good use of him because again, no one was using him. He was no. this weird anachronism from comics past that just doesn't make sense anymore. But as like kind of a sympathetic bad guy, mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, it, it totally works. I'd love to see him come back in something. Same. It's like, dude, I know you. I know everything about you. I lived the same life as you. But again, I am I am your fucked up shadow. Yeah, it's like Bizarro Thor. And again, too, setting him up like this means, well, maybe he can be redeemed at some point. Maybe he yeah. can be like the, you know, become a hero again, become a good guy again. Yeah, maybe he'll get the chance to do that. Yeah, throw him on a team. He'd be good for a Thunderbolts team, actually. <laughs> yeah, nice, uh, nice villainous team. Uh, but um, but um, what did I have after that? Ooh, I had Daredevil, which was uh, the last new book I read this week. Oh, nice. How was that? Uh, continues to be fucking great. Uh, Matt Murdock was poisoned at the end of the previous issue while still in jail. And basically, you know that scene from The Raid 2 when they're all fighting out in the rain? Yep. Uh, in the mud and everything? Uh, they do that. Oh, nice. And it's basically just like that, and it's super cool. And Matt's like, okay, so either these guys are going to shank me to death or the poison's going to get me. So I need to actually pull out a play, not from Stick's playbook, but from Foggy Nelson's playbook. And that is I need to start meditating to throw these guys off long enough so I can purge the poison from my system. Because Foggy always said to me, you can't hit a dancing man, so I'm hoping they won't hit a meditating man either. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's funny and that's good. Uh... Meanwhile, uh, Electra, who is Daredevil now, she took in that kid at the end of King in Black, and she's like, look, so you're pretty fucked up about seeing your mother die in front of you. Well, I'm not good with emotions, so, uh, look, you can either be strong or you can be weak, and, uh, I'm gonna show you how to be strong, so come, come with me, kid, while I beat up all these guys shaking down local <laughs> Hell's Kitchen businesses. <laughs> And she's like, see, look, don't you feel better now? Look, these guys were doing shakedown money. I'm going to tell them that this is Daredevil's territory now. And uh, if they want to come back, the street tax is now $30,000. Oh, what's this? You only have a grand? Well, I'm taking that and giving it back to the people you stole it from. (laughs) That's great. Oh, she's amazing. She's so fun. Also, too, hey, uh, Izzy Libris is now the new kingpin of crime. And Matt had a complicated relationship with her. Mm Mm-hmm. Because obviously he was kind of stupid her daughter-in-law and everything. And like, but he had kind of seen the good in Izzy and everything. Mm -hmm. Now Izzy's like losing her freaking mind because she's Kingpin and she can't run Hell's Kitchen and be Kingpin at the same time. So she gets Butchie to run Hell's Kitchen. Butchie, a.k.a. the bastard son of Wilson Fisk, who got created when Mike Murdoch changed the universe. Damn. So him and Mike are that much closer to ruling New York now. Oh, damn. Because he got a big uh, promotion that they didn't think he was supposed to. And Mike is still walking around Hell's Kitchen pretending to be Matt to keep up the illusion that him and Daredevil are not the same person. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Chip Zdarsky, you were just spinning so many goddamn plates. Goddamn. I gotta ca- I'm got i really far behind on this book, but I'm, I'm, I'm planning on, like, once I get some time, I'm going to sit down and do, like, two or three videos just catching up on the actual uh, storyline. It would probably even read better altogether, yeah. honestly. And the last big thing, too, is, you know, the Kingpin still made good on his promise to try and kill Daredevil. And he's like, look, you know, I always do more or less the same things over and over again, and it never works. So I'm calling on, uh, what is it, a bunch of the technology and doctors I have from Ravencroft. Again, they're bringing up the fact that Kingpin runs that place now. I've captured Bullseye, and I'm trying to condition him now to basically do what I tell him to. Oh, nice. Because every other time I've sent Bullseye, it's almost worked, but he never listens. But now I'm going to basically brainwash him into doing it for me. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, that's pretty dope. Because, again, we're also promising, hey, here's going to be another bullseye Daredevil fight, which yes. everyone loves. Awesome. So, yeah, Daredevil continues to be dope, just going from strength to strength. What a what an epic, what a comic, what a run. Nice. And, yeah, as the chat says, oh, yeah, that's not going to backfire against him, bullseye brainwashing <laughs> him. Yeah, really. Yeah, Wilson, you know when he figures that out, he's going to be really mad at you, right? That's a story, Bullseye being like, no, 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 I'm not mad at Daredevil this time. I'm mad at you, Kingpin. <laughs> and now I'm going to make your life hell. <laughs> that would be some shit. Especially now, because you're mayor, you have so much to lose. Yep, yep. But yeah, good good shit. Very fun, very cool. Awesome. Uh, last book I had was Iron Man issue 8. Oh, yes, the continuation of this Chris Cantwell Korvac saga. Well, it kind of takes a break here because we uh, use this issue to focus on Patsy. Um, oh. Uh, throughout this whole story, Patsy has been an integral part because she has a connection with Korvac. Korvac, like, invaded her mind and showed her mm. uh, the, the, the paradise he wants to make and everything. Um, but in doing so, it, it awoken uh, Patsy's old psychic powers that got taken oh, off, yeah. off her in Defenders. That's right, I forgot that was a thing. Here those powers come back with the help of Moondragon, who took the powers from her in Defenders. Um, Moondragon uh, contacts her and say, look, the Guardians and me are on the like other side of the galaxy, we won't be able to reach Korvac in time to stop him, so I'm going to give you your powers back. But to do that, we need to go into your mind and uh, face your fears, basically, because if you're not scared of them, Korvac will be. And if you're not, then you've got an advantage over him. Um, right. So they they go through her mind, and it's like a trip through like Patsy Walker law. Um, Christopher Campbell did his Which research. There's a lot of. Yeah, he did his research. They, we go all the way back to like the the Hetty and Patsy comic where she's in high school and uh, she's she's got to learn how to like tap back into her powers by doing stuff like looking into her teacher's mind for like the um, mm. uh, the answers on a test and everything. Um, she's got to confront Damon Hellstrom again, who's the principal of Ooh. the high school. Um, nice callback. Yeah, and and uh, confront her fear there, as well as like uh, when she almost killed herself, when she committed suicide, she actually did kill herself. Yeah, um, I know, right? Like, what, a, what a dark piece of history yeah, to remind everyone As well of. as like her, her, parent, her mother, who was like a helicopter parent and like mm. had like the comic of her going and everything and uh, has to confront all of this and... and in the end she has to accept it as part of her because she never did she always used to wall it off and be like mm. nope that's not part of me and that was like preventing her from using her powers because she didn't accept that it was that that fear is part of her what a what a very grant morrisony only when you accept all of your weird ass continuity do you become the yeah. fully formed character with all the powers pretty much yeah um Shit, I gotta read that now because I know Cantwell's gonna be doing Captain America and I kind of want to, like, catch the fever. Oh, he, he's such a good writer. Uh, and this is all happening while in the real world, uh, Korvac's ship is firing on uh, the Team Iron Man space shuttle and uh, basically destroying it and, and uh, James is getting uh, ready to uh, send the ship into self-destruct and basically blow it up in Korvac's face with the hope of taking him out with it. And, um, Patsy ends up coming back and she's got a plan and she needs 10 seconds. And in that 10 seconds, she is able to project uh, images of uh, Korvac's former masters into his mind mm. and make it make it seem like they're coming for him and uh, 
basically short circuit him because he's an android right. and uh short circuit him and cause him and his ship to it doesn't explode but it does explode basically <laughs> uh in this big ball of light and yeah it allows the team to escape and the issue ends with her asking where the hell is iron man because iron man in the last issue got teleported to some unknown alien earth that he has right. no idea where he is and no one else knows where he is hmm. and i guess that's the next arc that's for the you. next arc yeah well that's cool you've done a good job selling me on this book man i guess i'll have to check that out and i'll have to check out dr doom at the same time if he's going to be getting captain america it's pretty good it's pretty good yeah sounds like uh knows his continuity and does some interesting outside oh, the, the box the ideas he does in these continuities he's like referencing books that are like from the 60s and like things you'd actually have to go and look up and it's like why is that there oh that's because that was in that specific issue of hellcat <laughs> We weird romance comics that Marvel was making at a time when yeah. they weren't doing superheroes, yeah. but are still very much in continuity. <laughs> yeah, and even the team he built, he's built around, uh, like t- uh, Tony and Patsy, like Frogman and Scarlet Yo. Spider and Gargoyle and Misty Knight. The fact that someone is writing about Scarlet Spider <laughs> yeah. and Gargoyle is pretty good, and taking them into space and everything. <laughs> that's pretty good i mean come on if you're a fan of those characters you gotta check it out if only for that yeah <laughs> all right is that everything from this week matt that was everything on my end yeah and we're about our regular hour 40 mark that we normally are uh thank you everyone for coming out and watching and listening as always we really appreciate it thank you for everyone who's been buying the wild bill soda getting your 10 percent off using your code showing us that you know we're good we're good youtube men we're good investments <laughs> matt and myself Thank you, as always, to the patrons for helping keep the lights on and allowing me to pay Matt now more than ever in these unsure uh, quarantine pandemic times. We're doing another fucking lockdown in Ontario oh, now. No. Uh, oh, no. I've been, compl- I've been complaining about it on Twitter for those who haven't seen. Basically, from the provincial level and the federal level, everyone keeps pointing fingers at everyone and no, no one knows what's going on. Everyone's blaming everyone else. It's fucking stupid. That sucks. <laughs> Can't get myself vaccinated, can't get my parents vaccinated, but whatever, you know, we'll deal with that when we deal with it. Uh, Again, thank you everyone for watching live. We appreciate everyone who comments and engages and helps out with the algorithm and all that good stuff. Uh, Again, if you want more content from me, uh, Monday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be live streaming the newest episode of Capes and Quests for everyone uh to watch and check out there so be sure to have a look at that tomorrow morning as we record this i'm sure it'll be ready to be re uh watched and restreamed uh, when this goes live on wednesday you can download the audio versions over on itunes soundcloud etc etc uh any plugs on your part uh there matt um i'm hopefully gonna actually be starting streaming soon because i'm i'm shifting nice. around my streaming setup and trying to make it a bit more uh easier to use because it's not easy to use the way i've got it set up at the moment no um but hopefully that that'll be happening in the next like week week and a half uh, so uh yeah expect that i'm not sure what i'm going to be streaming though probably i got returnal coming out next week so i think oh, yeah. maybe i might stream some of that nice nice <laughs> again they got all those like uh sales on for games and everything i actually finally picked up watchdogs legion and started playing that uh, for the first what time because they had it for it? a good price very fun it's pretty cool hey eh? Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, the best game I've played, but it's really freaking fun, and I love all the weird, colorful characters that I can recruit and everything. Yeah, it, That's pretty great. It's great, yeah. 
lot of customization, a lot of clothing options. Because yeah. again, they basically dressed every person in the world. Yeah, well, yeah, again, every person in the world you can use on your team. Yeah, which is such a cool concept where I'm like, hey, can you guys steal this for the next Assassin's Creed? Yeah, make sure as well, if you haven't already, go and, go and uh, get a spy. Yes, oh, I have got a spy. Nice. She looks like Helen Mirren. Nice, nice. Again, with friggin' silenced pistol and being able to turn off everyone's guns with her spy watch. I'm like, oh, so the game is over is what you're saying. I have beaten the game. <laughs> I got the Hitman too, and the Hitman's pretty good, and I'm like, it doesn't hold a candle to the spy, though. In this, like, weird, <laughs> stealthy, hacky game, the spy cannot be beaten. No, no, not at all. <laughs> This, I guess that is a problem with the game is that you can kind of break it in that regard if you get a good person like way too early on. If you get on. a good person and you have like the good like skills unlocked, like the spider yeah. and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, then the game kind of becomes trivial at that point. <laughs> Some of the puzzles are kind of fun and interesting too. Like when you liberate an area, I did the one where you're in the dark and you only have the drone light to kind of yeah. light your way. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, this was creative, if nothing else. It's annoying, but I respect it for being creative. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I've been doing, everyone. I guess we'll bring the show to a close, and we'll be back again, uh, hopefully next week, hopefully at the same time. Definitely. So until then, everyone, we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.